and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. It's me, Jessie. I'm here, joined today with Abdullah. Abdullah, fresh from a holiday, fresh from a break. Unlike me, no rest of the wicked apart from that two-week break we did take. Um, Abdullah, how are you? How was the holiday? What did you get up to? Um, I'm great. Holiday was fantastic. All I did was eat for 10 days, which is great. Um, and sleep and do nothing else so I mean I can't ask for more on a holiday right literally the dream that's all anyone wants to do when they go on holiday Um, but but you're back now back to the grind got back at 1am last night and boom we cracked the whip hard here at Blue Royalty here you are on Zoom Uh, (laughs) to join us today so we uh, obviously Ollie and I did a little uh, sort of season review um, the other day and Abdullah and I, we're going to do two episodes, we're going to split in half because I think we've got a lot of stuff to say, but we're just going to basically run through every damn player in the squad and have a bit of a chat about how their seasons went, um, where, yeah, how well we think they did, what we think next year holds for them. There's obviously a lot of players coming into the squad, um, two of whom have been announced, there's also players leaving the squad, two of whom have been announced, um, but we'll have a little bit of a chat around um, everyone and, and how they did this year. Uh, so, Abdullah, shall we just get straight into it and kick off with the goalies? Let's just go. All right, so um, we kind of played with two goalkeepers this year. Obviously, some of that was was enforced earlier on in the season uh, with Anne Katrenberger undergoing treatment um, for a recurrence of her cancer, which literally feels like it was a million years ago. Um, but we've basically got four goalkeepers, I'm going to say, to talk about here because we will be going into next season as things stands with four goalkeepers on our books. Um, I know that there's also even been links to even more goalkeepers, namely Hannah Hampton, um, which I would hate personally but uh we're gonna talk about the four goalkeepers that definitely belong to us right now let's kick off with akb um when you think about the the recurrence of her cancer and what she had to go through at the start of the season a pretty heroic return really abdullah um she definitely came up big on a number of moments fa cup final uh, some great saves, the Leon penalty shootout as well, obviously are the the moments that kind of come to mind. Um, she, when you're looking at her underlying numbers, she comes out very, very well. So uh, if we're looking at goals prevented, uh, this is this is Opta's stats. She prevented 2.9 goals over the season. Uh, that's the best in the league other than Emily Everton's Emily Ramsey. Um, and I don't always... Sometimes I find these numbers, they can be very up and down from season to season. But AKB is is someone who's incredibly consistent in in coming out the top on these metrics. Uh, What have you made of of her season? A season where I think maybe we thought at points she'd lost that that starting spot in goal. But I think by the end of the year, we were firmly reminded that that she is the best goalkeeper at Chelsea. Yeah, for sure. I think um, I think considering everything, you know, we, we, we you know we went through the season and we kind of talked about, um, you know, we kind of talked about the kind of switch between AKB, Mustavich, kind of in and out. You know, there was periods in the in the, in the season where 
we had Musevic in for a period of games, and there was a moment we thought, oh, wait, is this, is this Musevic? Is, you know, now she's the new number one, and then suddenly AKB comes back, she's the new number one, and there was a lot of that change. And I think during the second half of the season, it kind of became a little bit more uh, settled in that AKB was the number one, and Musevic had to settle for a place on the bench. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think beginning of the season, you could have been forgiven for thinking, all right, you know, AKB is there, you know, Musevich has been doing decently well. Is it time for AKB to, 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 to you know, to, to, maybe it's her time over? Obviously, she had the illness and, and then that played a bit of a part in terms of her recovery and kind of getting back into the team and getting back to her best. But I think towards the end, we kind of all realized that AKB is still a level above all the goalkeepers that we currently have and potentially might have um, coming in. And, you know, going into that, you want, you, you'd like to think that maybe you need, you need AKB there again to be playing in these in these high level games until Musevic develops consistency in um, in being an AKB level goalkeeper because we've seen Musevic play, have some really good games and I think one of the things that we said before Musevic the seasons before was she played in games where she basically didn't have to do anything or when she did it wasn't really difficult and okay last season I will say that she did play in more games where she had to do more things and she did prove in a few of those games, decent amount of those games, that she is up to the task. She can play at a Chelsea level, uh, as a Chelsea level starting goalkeeper. But I think the consistency that Berger brings is next level. And I think until Musevic develops that, I think AKB is, you know, far and wide the the best goalkeeper that we have. And I think the one that should be starting next season, now I guess the problem that we're going to come into it is that we have three keepers that could potentially start. And so that's where the problem lies. And then when you've got linked with, with another one, I don't even know where we're going with. We're going to PSG levels of hoarding goalkeepers. I just don't understand why we're doing what PSG are doing. But uh, yeah, I, that for me, AKB is just, yeah, it has to, it has to be the number one. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I mean, I do think it's been interesting. I think Zajir Muzovic had some much more impressive moments. Um, Sometimes I think she was helped to look good. Like, I think the game that obviously stands out is the one at the Emirates against Arsenal, where Arsenal were all over us. Um, and AKB did, like... Uh, not AKB, sorry. Musevich did make the saves that she needed to make, but lots of the shots were, like, literally right at her. But you can only save, like, how you're shot at. Um, Musevich also finished up on her goals prevented, but playing only 32% of, of minutes, so... Obviously, that slightly smaller sample size. She had an expected goals and target conceded of 4.2, conceded three goals, facing 20 shots. Um, I think, for me, um, Musevich's shot-stopping, I'm like, it's not as good as AKB's. But for me, Abdullah, more of the concern I think I still have with her is about how she commands the penalty area. And... This is something I've kind of been thinking a lot about goalkeepers, mainly because Arsenal's are so bad at it. Um, And I had a really interesting conversation with my brother, actually, after the Conti Cup final, when AKB, like, kind of comes for the the corner that Neve Charles then heads over her. And Ed and I were basically saying, like, it's shit when that happens in a cup final, but over the course of a season, the fact that AKB will come and get those balls is probably, like, worth more. Whereas I feel like... Musevich like still doesn't have that and we've got the numbers here so AKB stops 9.2% of crosses which puts her in the 88th percentile 
Um, and Chirmuzovic stops 6.3%, which puts her in the 51st percentile. Muzovic has just turned 27, and we know goalkeepers age at a different rate to outfield players. You know, you see often see goalkeepers coming into the prime in their early 30s, for example. But equally, Muzovic isn't a young goalkeeper anymore, I would say. Um, she signed a new deal during the season, which I think took quite a few people by surprise. What do you see Musevic's future at Chelsea being? Is this someone who is, like, still the number one in waiting? Is this someone who you think is maybe here to be a backup goalkeeper longer term? I'm sorry, wait, she's 27 now? Why did I think she was younger? <laughs> I know, she's got, like, she's got fake young... I know, yeah. this is why I had to break this news. What? Because... It's like Neve Charles. We can't say they're not young anymore. Yeah, I, they just I, I, have young energy. Yeah, it's young energy, young look, young vibe. I feel old now. I thought I was like, I thought I was much older, but she's a lot closer to my age than I thought she would be. All right, still a four or five year difference. But she still. was always the same age gap as you, Abdullah. She just got older, and that means you got older. <laughs> I got older as well. I thought it was she was a lot younger. Okay, this is a, this is a revelation. Sorry, everyone. This is, this is a revelation for me. Um, no, I, I think I think you're right. I, I, I think I would rather I, I agree with you, you and your brother. I think I would rather have my goalkeeper come to claim those crosses on a on a more regular basis and, and, and try and stop those crosses because there are so many times where you know you, you need your goalkeeper to take command of what's happening in the penalty box and certain decisions you need to take out of centre back's hands or marker's hands because sometimes someone will especially if you're going in a zonal marking system even man to man, someone will say, "No, it was mine. It was yours." Just keep it. Just goes in. Whether you're going to catch it or you're going to you're going to punch it out, the keeper sometimes needs to take command. And I think it's weird because Musovic is not small. She's a big girl. She's 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 got a huge frame. She's really tall. So for a goalkeeper, she's got the right size. And I mean, if I'm not wrong, is she slightly taller than than AKB? I mean, it looks like it, or is it about the same? I've got no, I've got no idea. We're going to go by the eye test. I feel like she's slightly taller than AKB, just maybe because she's a lot, she's physically leaner than she is. She's huge. Um, I feel like Zichira should be one who should be able to come out and catch, uh, catch balls. But to me, she feels very much like, um, she's a lot more of a shot stopping goalkeeper. Whereas I think AKB is a bit more of an all round goalkeeper. Like, yes. Okay. Um, AKB's, play with her feet isn't the best we've seen a few few moments you know in the box where she's not been able to do that and i mean you can even see the average distance of defensive actions by akb is 10.7 this is in the 20th percentile whereas musevich is about 15.6 and so to me that means that she's she's defending and doing her actions a lot more outside i mean a lot more further than than, than akb which i think that comes down to the whole saving shots you know, way off her line and, and kind of coming out to collect. And maybe from, so from, from a, from an open play perspective, Zichira seems to be a little bit more of the aggressive, the more, um, confident one playing with her feet and kind of coming out and making all those saves. Whereas AKB, what we've seen is she likes to sit on her line a little bit more. She's an amazing shot stopper. The clutch saves that she has off the line, off the crossbar. I think that's what you get. So I think you're getting two different types of goalkeepers from both of them, which is, I think, maybe one of the reasons why Chelsea kept her on for another couple of seasons is because maybe certain games require a certain type of goalkeeper against certain opposition. So when you have 
uh, a team that maybe likes to play in behind a little bit more. Uh, you know, you have someone like Musovic who can kind of come out and play from there. But if you have a team that's really going to pepper you with shots and, and they're going to get up a lot of set pieces and stuff, you know, AKB is the one there. I think with Musovic, I think Chelsea probably kept... I think they see something in her. Yes, she's 27 and I know she's not a young goalkeeper anymore, but keepers peak by 30, 31. I mean, AKB is probably peaking right now at, at 31. Um and, you know, you've got at least, you can easily get another two, three seasons out of AKB at the top level, realistically. And so I think with Musovic, I think what they're trying to see with this, I think it's a three-year extension or a two-year extension, right? Uh, she signed till 2025. 2025, so two-year extension. I think what they want to do is they want to see if she can, in the next season or so, can she outdo AKB? And if she can... They'll, they'll probably then phase AKB out slowly and make Musovic the number one. And then you have Nikki Everard who's there who's going to come in and maybe just sit as the backup for the two. Because I think right now, I think Everard is good. I think she's definitely behind in these two in terms of the, the pecking order and in general playing at a higher level. Um, but I think that if it doesn't work out for Musovic next season, I can see Chelsea commanding a fee next summer and then selling her off and then using Everard as the one to kind of come in behind AKB. And then that succession planning goes over there. So I think for me, I think Musovic has got one more season to kind of prove if she's better than AKB. And if, if she does it next season, I think she stays. If she doesn't, I think there's a very good chance that we see her sold in the next season or two. Yeah, and I guess there's obviously maybe understandably... Um long-term not concerns that feels like rude because AKB can't do anything about her health but I think it'd be understandable if Chelsea were kind of aware of of how AKB's health has been affected uh, over the years and um, maybe the importance of keeping more goalkeepers around as a result because you know Musovic was a good backup when she had to come in and then play games kind of unexpectedly at the start of the season and, and that's really important too um, okay, we'll take a quick ad break here, and then when we come back, we'll talk about the other two goalkeepers that we've got in the Chelsea squad. So, two goalkeepers in the Chelsea squad who haven't played in goal for Chelsea this season, uh, one of whom was at the club the entire time, the other of whom hasn't ar- arrived yet. Uh, Emily Orman, obviously, I think, was kind of kept around to be that backup keeper. Again, when AKB was unwell... We needed another keeper, um, so it made sense not to send her on loan there, so we had two. Uh, we obviously didn't know how soon AKB was going to come back and at the level that, that she would. I was kind of surprised that she didn't go out in January. Um, I was also kind of surprised that the club exercised their extension on her contract. Um, this is a player who's gone on loan before. She went to Crystal Palace. She was meh. Um, in my opinion, like she was fine, but like she didn't excel in the championship. Uh, but Abdullah, is this a player who you expect to see go on loan, maybe to a WSL club next season? I think so. I think I think I think this is part of the what you said of keeping more goalkeepers around and kind of trying it, trying and testing out who's kind of worth keeping around and who's going to be a long term Chelsea goalkeeper. And I think a WSL loan, I think, is probably the next best stuff for Emily Orman, and then. If she can prove herself over there, you know, you know, a la, you know, Aggie Beaver Jones, and have a have a season like that, then at least then you know you've got an in-house option to come in the season after. And then if you have to make a decision on Musovic, AKB, Evrod, and then Orman, 
at least then Chelsea are in a better place to be able to make those decisions and say, all right, who do we have? We've got four really good goalkeepers. What do we do? Do we send another one out on loan? I think Orman's the one where you could probably send her out for another two years on loan and it would still be okay just to keep getting her the experience because she is only 20 years old. Uh, and I don't think she'd be... I don't think she's going to complain about having to play regular football with, um, you know, with other uh, other teams and other places, you know, and that's not Chelsea. And I think if in two years' time, let's say she goes out on a two-year loan to two different teams or even the same team twice in the WSL, you at least then have two years of WSL experience under her belt. She can come in, whether she's going to come in and compete as number one or as the backup in 2025, then I think, you know, you've, you've got something there. And I think it also does is that if she doesn't excel... In twenty in in, in this in, in a loan say at the WSL this year, and I think you you know what you need to do there, and, and maybe you can make some money off of her by selling her to this you know said WSL club. So I think I think I think it's an important year for her in terms of going out on loan and making those good performances. But yeah, uh, I think Orman is probably number four everyone's list here yeah i would agree with all that okay the other goalkeeper who's maybe a bit more interesting to talk about is nikki everard um obviously joining chelsea from leuven uh belgian side belgian goalkeeper someone who impressed a lot of people at the euros with some very impressive shot stopping displays famous for owning a bouncy castle company um but I think also, Abdullah, a little bit of an unknown. Chelsea have obviously signed goalkeepers in the past from random clubs. And just because you're, you've been playing in Belgium doesn't mean you're bad, clearly. We saw her play at the Euros. She was okay. Um, but still a signing that I was a little bit surprised by, just in terms of, okay, she had one really good tournament, but she's 27 and she's been playing in Belgium. What impact do you think she can have on this Chelsea side what what do you see happening for her next season um it's an interesting one because I think the first question is do Chelsea want to keep three starting level goalkeepers in their in their roster for for, for the season because you're not going to keep two keepers on the bench you're going to have one or the other now I think that, I think that's probably the first the first decision that, that needs to be made made on, on Everard, whether she's going to stay at the club or do the club think that, you know, she could go out on a, on a WSL loan to just, just random hypotheticals like a Spurs, an Aston Villa. Like, let's say Hannah Hampton does leave, right? Villa are going to need a replacement. They can take Everard on loan for a season. You know, something can happen over there if, if, if you know, just, just kind of putting two and two together if that's the case. Um, and then at least you then get uh, Everard, you know, a season under under her belt in in uh, in the league, and, and she gets used to it. Um, but let's let's assume that's one scenario. The other scenario is if she's if she is to stay, I think then you've got another quality ex- semi experienced backup there, another twenty seven year old coming in, having played, um, you know, having played having played very regularly for her uh, for her club in, in in the Belgian Women's Super League. Uh, they were first, you know, right? You know, she played in every game, and you know, I mean, I know it's a step down than the WSL, but seven goals, twenty matches is still good for a goalkeeper, regardless of the competition that you're playing. And it kind of proves that you know you know how to play. And the fact that you know, if we look at Chelsea website, the way they describe her as a goalkeeper is she's known for a strong passing game, reflexes, and penalty saving abilities. Um, I think with the way Chelsea play. 
you know, the fact that now Magda's gone, you've got Millie Bright, Kiddish Buchanan, you know, Anikanawa, all there, and then, you know, you know, obviously Buchanan, all that are good with their with their feet. You know, having a goalkeeper that's really good at being able to pass up from the back and play that sort of game, as I think, is I think is a, is a step forward. And kind of like what we said about Musovic, Musovic and Evrod. I think Everard's signing is just a sign that Chelsea want their next goalkeeper to be able to play with their feet as well, right? Otherwise, they would have taken someone who was a bit more similar to AKB, where in this case, you've got two goalkeepers now in Musovic and, and Everard who both are really good with their with their feet and they'll be able to play out from the back and, and kind of and play that way. So I think if she was to say, I think she would provide a reasonable, uh, a more than reasonable backup. I think she would be able to really give us um, something different and, and, and I think having depth at goalkeeper isn't bad, right? Like if, if, and I think Everard staying or going may come down to two things. One, obviously the club thing that she's, she's, she, she can, she can slot in, but I think they'll monitor AKB's health over the summer and kind of talk to her and they know how many minutes she can play. And if that minutes, if those minutes are less than a certain ideal number, then maybe they think it's worth keeping Everard around to say, Hey, listen, Look, AKB is not going to be able to play one, two, three, four, five, six, you know, X number of games. While we have Musovic and you there, you two will be competing for that number one spot for the remaining amount of games. So let's just say there are 30 games to play next season or 35 games to play next season, right? Let's say AKB can only play 15 or 16 games. There's another 15 to 20 games that potentially Chelsea can play and then they can tell Evrod and, and Musovic, look, it's between you two to compete for, the, for those remaining number of games. You know, we want competition. Obviously, having backup is good. Uh, it's just that there are going to be times where one of you is not going to be in the squad, uh, and which is obviously the role that Orman was filling. But she's 20 years old, so I think it was it was a bit more okay as a goalkeeper at 20 years old to do that. Um, but I think the more realistic scenario for me is I think I think I think Evrod possibly goes out on a WSL loan as well, and and kind of gets those minutes because I don't know how unless health permitting how you keep three starting goalkeepers at the club and, and, and keep them all happy to a certain extent. Yeah, I would like to see Everard. Well, I think one of Everard or Musovic has to go on loan. And it feels hard to imagine it being Musovic, to be totally honest. Um, just because she is more established at the club, I feel like it would make a lot more sense for Everard to go on loan. Um, there obviously kind of was a time where we had three senior goalkeepers when we had... Telford, AKB and Musovic. Um, but basically, Musovic sort of joined that January and then I think Telford played like three games and Musovic played like two. And I just don't think that's feasible for for those two keepers. Um, we've seen that Emma Hayes is like willing and happy to to rotate keepers in terms of the, the minutes that Musovic did get um, this season, including in big games. Um, but yeah, I think Everard to go on loan would make sense. Um, just because I really, I feel like it would feel strange to bring her in, um, and then have her play almost nothing, but it is just a bit of a sort of perplexing scenario. Um, I think the main perplexing thing being why extend Musovic, um, if, if there is this other goalkeeper who you clearly like, uh, cause you wanted to bring her in, but that will be one to keep an eye on, obviously. Um, who knows where exactly that will end up. Um, okay, let's take another quick ad break here and then we will talk about our defenders. 
So a bit of a strange season, I think, all in all, for the defensive line, Adula. We kind of started off with Emily Bright, Kadisha Buchanan pairing and finished the season with a Magdalena Eriksson, Maramielda centre-back pairing, uh, including a number of different fullback choices along the way as well. Um, let's kick off with Millie. Uh, I think a player who who maybe her importance this season has gone overlooked because of when she sustained her injury and, and the games that she missed as a result. Um, looks like she'll be fine for the World Cup. She's been named England captain, which is very fucking cool, in my opinion. Uh, 19 starts in the Champions League and WSL. In the end, uh, I guess what's interesting is she played a really important role, but almost what was so impressive about Chelsea was how they adapted to not having her available, given that she's someone who they've really needed to be available in the past for them. Uh, but what did you make of Millie's season? Oh, I think absolutely um, amazing. I, I, thought, I thought she had a... Even with the injury, I thought Millie had a fantastic season. I think while we were very lucky that the... Players that stepped in mitigated her loss to a certain extent because it was very, very easy that once Millie Bright went 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 off injured, you know, our season was gonna could have curtailed, right? You know, uh, Marin Mielda hadn't played for for a while. Magda was in and out of the team. Jess Carter had played a little bit more fullback than she had at centre back. You know, Kitty Shubikano was underwhelming, and so you were like. Out of all of the centre-backs at the club who, who are players who can play centre-back, Millie Bright was the only consistent force, consistent player in terms of form, in terms of the way she played in that team, and the one that kind of glued everything together. And so it was very easy to think, all right, you know, Millie's gone, and that's our defence kind of disintegrating from there. Um, to me, I think the best defender of the lot, I think of all the defenders that we've, we, we've played, I think I thought Millie, for me, has probably been the best one. Even with the injury, I thought I thought I thought she's been the best one. Um, I think her promotion to England captain, I think, is just another check mark of her fantastic season. To me, now she not that she not that she wasn't as important in in terms of leadership and all that before, but I think she's now takes up the Magda Eriksson mantle of of the two centre backs. She is the she's the one that leads it and she's the one that calls the shots and she's the one that kind of organizes everything with Magda's role before. I feel like that, that baton has not been passed over to Millie Bright. Um, and for me, you know, the fact that she's back for the world cup, which means that it's not a, it's not a terrible injury that's going to affect her. And I think, you know, in a good, in a way it's actually kind of good because she's been injured for the last portion of the season. She's going to get a little bit of time. There's a friendly coming up in July. Maybe she comes back and plays a few minutes over there and then she kind of plays in this World Cup. That kind of builds up her match fitness for us. And then as she goes into Chelsea preseason, she's back in the rhythm of flow of actually having match practice under her without being too over overused because she hasn't played the end of the season. So for us, if anything, for us in a, uh, at the beginning of the season, it's a, it's a plus because she'll have it at enough games to play to have match fitness but not an overload because she played the back in the last season going into the World Cup. So for me, in a weird way, we're in a good place with Millie Bright. Yeah, I, I agree. I think my worry on the England front is that, that, that she'll be rushed back because there's so many injuries in that team. But I hope that they're sensible about it because um, it's obviously a lot of games to go and play straight off the bat, um, especially when she's someone who who's clearly... Very, very important to that team. Even more important, I think, because Myla Tissier is not going, which I really don't understand. Um, but 
I agree. I think I I hope she's in a good place. Um, and I think she could have an amazing summer for England, obviously, um, which would be a real boost for her. Coming back to Chelsea, uh, Magda Eriksson, obviously someone who we don't have to talk about for next season because she's gone. Um, we can finally not talk about whether she'll be here or whether she won't. Um, but Abdullah, in the end, actually, this was uh, a really perfect way for her to go out, I think. I think when we were having those original conversations sort of four or five months into the season, there was this feeling that it was all a bit messy, that she wasn't really playing where maybe she wanted to. She kind of started the season at left back. It wasn't, it was like fine. There were good games, there were bad games. Um, but there was this kind of recognition that it was all about Brighton Buchanan now. Obviously with the injuries to Brighton Buchanan, she kind of got to get back into the team. She was a real leader, I think, especially in the the Champions League games. Um, she played a really important role uh, against Barcelona. Um, equally, I thought she was really important in the FA Cup final. Got to score the goal against Arsenal in her last game at Kings Meadow, and, and obviously lift uh, one more FA Cup and one more WSL for Chelsea. Um, is there? Do you feel like the way she finished her season? made you regret more that she was moving on or do you still kind of feel like it was it was the right time it's weird because i can i say both because i feel both in different scenarios because i think one in the sense that i think she proved that she's still top class still a quality defender gives so much for chelsea that when she isn't playing and when she's on form and she is playing we miss out you know her her passing her ability to, 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 to control the back line, her positioning, I think all of that, you kind of put it all together, to me, is 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 irreplaceable at times. And, and, and it's really good. And the fact that she's a very natural, a very good left-footed centre-back is such a commodity. You know, sorry, it's such a, it's such a rarity, sorry, rather in, in, in football, especially at centre-back, that, you know, you when you have a good one, you want to keep them and you want to, you want, you want to play them properly. Um but I think just, and I, I can't, I don't actually have anything tangible to say against this, but I think just kind of the way everything had been going in the last two seasons, whether it was the media, whether it was the fans and kind of, it's just, it starts to get a little bit messy. And I, f I feel like as much as there is a lot of reminiscing going on about Magdiv not going, and, and personally, I would have loved her to stay. And I, I think I still think she's a quality defender. I think it was just maybe the right time to move on. I think it was just the right time because with Buchanan there, Chess Carter's kind of stuck in the middle, you know, and and, and you've, you, you've got these two, three other players there. I think it just kind of felt like she almost had to go in a weird way, kind of just to move on and reset and been there for so long um, and kind of maybe allow the next generation of, of, of players to come in. Um, so, I mean, I'm again, personally, I, I, I would have loved her to stay and then she, she played these roles. But yeah, I think in a weird way, I think it was probably the right time to kind of for her to move on for herself and kind of kickstart, uh, you know, maybe not even not even restart a kickstart, but like new environment and then just kind of go fresh and, and play over there. So, yeah, that's kind of my take on Magda. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's great that she got to end on such a high. Um, I don't think I'd have been like she has to play next season. Uh, I think my lingering worry is about Buchanan's form. Um, but equally, I think Jess Carter still is good enough to, to be a starting centre-back if we needed her to be. Um, and I feel like 
what was hard about the start of the season was, yeah, this idea that your captain's kind of stuck on the bench and kind of clearly unhappy about it. And I'm glad that it didn't finish that way. Um, but I think, you know, if stuff had continued, um, we would have probably reverted back to that scenario. And look, she signed a three-year deal with Bayern Munich. Listen, if Chelsea had offered her a three-year deal, I'd have been like, that feels like a lot. And if she wanted to go and get that like contract, good for her. Um, but it, it that wasn't a contract like that I would have envis- envisaged for her at the club. Um, so I think it's a nice all's well that ends well situation. Uh, let's move on to Jess Carter. Carter was obviously someone who was essential last season, 21-22 season, played a huge amount of minutes. And then this season we saw that kind of drop off again. We did see her have like a little mini peak where she got back into the team, but then she was kind of usurped by Neve Charles, uh, actually, bizarrely, towards the end of the season. This is a player who I don't know, is always going to be a massive benefit to the squad because she can play all all the way across the back line. But are you worried that maybe there's a sense that if she can't nail down a starting spot, we're kind of wasting her talents? Because this is a player who I think might start for England at left-back at the World Cup. Yeah, in a weird way. Because, I, I, I mean, there's only so many number of seasons and months where you can kind of go and play Jess Cards as this, like, you kind of come in for a spell of games and you just sit out and then you come back and then you sit out and then you come back. And she's getting to that age now where she needs to be playing consistently and she needs to be challenging for that first team place as a as a starter rather than just kind of a rotation option. And you're right. I think in the last couple of seasons, while she's had this in and out, drop off of minutes, more minutes, less minutes, and, and all that, she's become a lot more consistent in her performances in terms of she's playing well every chance she gets, almost now. Like you can say 80, 80 85% of games, she's, she's putting in a really good 7 to 8 out of 10 performance rather than maybe two seasons ago where we were questioning whether she was even good enough to play for Chelsea in any position, regardless of uh, when she played and how many games she played. And like you said, it, there's, there's a chance that it, I think I think if she I think if she does play as the starting left back or starting fullback for England this summer, she can easily come back to Chelsea and almost be like, look, if I'm starting for England. I need I need a starting position at Chelsea. Like there's no, uh, it, it's 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 not like. You know, you you. It's not like you know she can she can you, you can kind of ignore the fact that she's she's a fantastic player and someone who is kind of comes and I think maybe her versatility plays against her, right? Because you know she can play left back, she can play right back, she can play centre back. You're like, well, you know, you can kind of come and play spelling games at centre back if we need you to. Ah, you know what? Yeah, we'll just chuck you in at left back. Oh, you know, what? we'll just chuck you in at right back. And I think that possibly plays up against her because then you you don't really nail down a position in in a in, in a way. Um, but for me, it's, she has to start. And I think, like you said, I would like to see her at center back because I think, yes, she can play at left back and right back. But I think that, that, that really comes down to specific tactics because she doesn't have the pace, but she's got the physicality. I would like to see her compete at center back with Kadisha Buchanan. I think for me, that's where her position is. And and I know we're going to talk about Kadisha next, but if Kadisha starts having another one of those seasons that she did last season with the inconsistencies, I would not be 
at all mad at, at just Carter starting alongside Millie Bright or, or something. But yeah, I would like to see a centre-back starting at Chelsea ideally. Yeah, for me, Carter's like the obvious option who comes in if you're playing a back three. And who knows, maybe we'll see, you know, we saw that at different points this season. We know Hayes is very flexible when it comes to her formation. I'm sure we'll see it at different points next season. Um, and equally, I, yeah, I still think she's probably better at fullback than Neve Charles or at least offers a very different option. So I could see those two continuing to rotate minutes, but... Equally, it looks like there might be another fullback coming in, so there's competition there again. Um, Khadija Buchanan is obviously kind of the interesting person to talk about in this because I feel like part of the reason why we feel Ami Inari about Dress Carter is because we feel Ami Inari about Khadija Buchanan. Because I think if you had Buchanan playing at this incredible level, you'd be like, sorry, Jess, it, like, sucks, but, you know, you're not going to usurp this player. Whereas I think something that was weird at points last season was this feeling of like Buchanan was clearly either distracted or switched off or I don't know what was going on but really didn't I think it's fair to say had a bit of an underwhelming first season um and potentially was maybe saved some of like the intensity of the season because of when she got injured um and how that sort of meant that she was kind of taken out the firing line now who knows those games might have been the moments she needed, like the intensity she needed to like kind of really show us uh, her peak level. We know she can play in games of that level. We know she can defend against Barcelona because she did it in a Champions League final in a game that she won. Um, okay, she she didn't start that game, but she came and played 80 minutes of it. So, Abdullah, where do you think Buchanan sort of stands right now? I think the switch to play her right side of centre-back was a good one, and she did improve after that. But as Ollie's kind of said before on this pod, I think earlier in the season it felt like, oh, maybe she hasn't got up to the speed of the WSL. Maybe it's been a bit of a surprise coming from the D1 Arkema, which is a league where Lyon have been so far clear of almost every other team to play in a league where almost every game is very competitive. But then it almost got to the point where I was like, okay, you've been in this division now for for a while and you haven't seemed to catch up. Maybe you just can't, don't have that level of concentration. Where do you think Buchanan stands? Because this is a player who I think I'm going to watch very closely at the World Cup because it'll be really interesting to see how she, how she plays in those games. And, and Canada have a tough group as well. Yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll be an interesting one to see, and, and if um, you know if if the rumored other fullback comes in, then it'll be interesting to see how they play together, both the club and country. Um, so I think that's that's another thing to keep an eye on. Um, it's 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 tough, right? You, you know, you, you you would have thought that of all the new players to come in, Kadisha coming in from Lyon, played at the highest level won Champions League, D1 titles and all playing, you know, played with Wendy Renard and, 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 you know, top, top players like that. You'd think that she would have adapted and settled in a little bit more, but I think the whole pace of the league and everything, the physicality, I think has, has taken her by surprise. And I'm, supr- I'm surprised Emma persisted with her more than I thought she normally would with any new sign that comes in, right? I mean, usually we see Emma play these new signings, like, I think Kadisha is an ex- one of the exceptions that she has, along with Sam. I think Sam struggled in the beginning as well. Obviously, it was well, well, well documented. But I think when you've got these exceptional players, she will start them. 
and and it seems like she persists with them even through their bad form just to almost like you're going to play yourself out of the bad form because they're such mentally they're supposed to be like top top level players and so it was interesting to see but I think Kadisha's kind of lasted longer than we thought and I think it it would have made sense to bring in Magda or bring in Jess or someone like that to kind of come in and, 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 and replace her for a while but I don't know I think I think I want to say it was just the first season. It was just it was just the first season thing, and once we get into the second season, she'll 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 grow into the role, and she'll grow into the team, and 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 she'll be able to play a lot better. And, and I think, like you said, starting the starting the season at one side of center back pairing and moving to right center back, I think that when she played a lot better, I think that maybe settled her into the into the team a little bit more. And I think if we start seeing her consistently at right center back. That'll help. I think what also doesn't help her is. The con- no, I don't want. Okay, I don't want to say constant rotation, but for the sake of the argument, I'm going to say constant rotation of the fullbacks around her. I think maybe that plays a part in in the sense of because when she plays for Canada and when she used to play for Lyon, there wasn't much rotation up on 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 the fullback areas. Like it was Ellie Carpenter for the season that she was there. It was Ellie Carpenter practically 85 percent of the games. The odd game Janice came and used to come in and play a right back to give Ellie a rest. But she played with the same back four, back five for the majority of her season. And at Chelsea, she's been kind of changed partners a few times, whether it's fullback partner, or maybe not not so much at centre back because Millie Brett was practically there all the time, but goalkeeper changed, the right back changed, maybe the players in front of her changed, and kind of that rhythm and consistency and chemistry between different pairings and different players maybe played a part in her ability to be able to settle in and kind of know like if she had if she had played with the same if they'd say it was Eve Perisay, Aaron Cusper, and Sophie Ingle for practically six months of the season, right? Majority of the games she played was with those three or four players, along with Millie Bright. Maybe we start seeing a little bit more consistency in her game and she knows how they play. But if one week she's playing with Eve Perisay, then Neve Charles jumps in and in front of her, she's got Aaron Cuthbert one day and the next day it's Melanie Leupold's. And that that sort of change, and, and again, I don't mean it happens every week, but it happens consistently enough to maybe throw her off her game. Maybe probably that's the reason for this sort of... Um, delayed adjustment and maybe that was the same problem for Sam Kerr right you had Penilla Harder Frank Kirby and Sam Kerr but then sometimes somebody else used to come in and and, and all that and finally when Sam settled with all of the players now you can put her in any combination she still plays well regardless of who's playing up against uh, up with her and I think that's probably the same reason for Kitty Shibikan and uh, going into next season yeah I think that's fair but I think the only thing that is frustrating is it's a it's a signing where you're like you want that not their level to be higher than that. Um, but equally, there's, you know, there's been plenty of players who've kind of struggled in first seasons and I think it's fine for players to to need that. I think it was maybe frustrating that we kind of expected more, but hopefully um, she's had that opportunity to adjust. She gets a summer where she goes away and, and plays in a different team and, and maybe gets back some confidence from there and, and then comes back and plays at a much higher level. Um a signing who maybe had the the opposite uh, trajectory is Iperse, I would say, who obviously came in with less fanfare, um, despite being a very talented player. Um, maybe didn't, maybe took a while to adjust, but I think by the end of the season we were really seeing seeing the best of her and seeing a really accomplished player who who actually looked very comfortable in the team. Um, obviously, there is this potential signing of Ashley Lawrence someone who can play left back, but we've predominantly seen at right back, which is exactly the same as 
Perise. Um, what have you made of Perise's season and, and how do you think that potential signing might work around her? I like Eve Perise. I really like I, I like the signing from, from, from the beginning. I, I thought she was a really shrewd signing, a really good signing, something that we needed. Um, and I and I felt like the way Chelsea were playing with when they were playing three at the back and Gur right and Neve Charles at left back, you needed someone to balance out on the right hand side. And I thought Perise was the perfect blend of she's not someone that's gonna overlap and really give you something going forward, but she gives you the stability at the back and she's really um, good on the ball, she can kind of play around. And I think she definitely struggled in the beginning uh, when she first started playing. She took a while to get into that team and to, to play first-team football regularly. But when she got in, she struggled a little bit in the beginning. But I think as the season went on, for me, she was one of those players that really stepped into 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 the team. And, and I know that there was a couple of times where we saw um, maybe she was being outplayed by slightly quicker wingers and players who were able to get past her. But I, I really felt like, for me, that Eve Perise was one that, while it looked like she might have been struggling, quote-unquote, I felt like she generally had that right flank down and covered us, right? Like, yes, sometimes crosses would go in, but they were from not as dangerous positions. And I don't I don't remember too many goals off the top of my head that, um, that, were, that were directly because of Eve Perise's poor defending or positioning or whatever. To me, I felt like she's a solid She's a solid fullback. She had a decent season. Could be better, for sure. Um, obviously, only three assists and played about 1,100 minutes in the league and 500 in the Champions League. But to me, I think solid season. I think I think she's definitely one that can just kind of give us stability now. We talk about the potential signing of Ashley Lawrence and, and how does that affect her. It's weird because, if anything, I thought Chelsea would have signed a left-back and not a right-back. Um, if anything. And now I know that Lawrence can play at left back, but do we want her there? Do we not want her there? Because the thing, the problem then becomes is you then her playing on the left. She becomes almost like an inverted fullback. But also at the same time, Lawrence isn't your overlapping fullback on the right hand side either. She's someone who's going to maybe play a few underlaps. She'll give you that stability. She gives you a little bit going forward, but she kind of just wants to, she's not one to kind of go in and cross and give you 20 assists, 5, you know, 15 assists a season. And so that confuses me a little bit. And then there's a part of me that's maybe now thinking that maybe Lawrence is going to get shifted to left back and you have Eve Paris at right back. And then when you need to rotate one or the other, you've got these different combination of fullbacks that kind of come in. The other option is that if we if we need to, this may be this may be a time that we're going back to a back three, right? Because you could play Eve Perise is definitely capable from her play style to play as a as a centre back on the on the right hand side, right? You could play as a right right side centre back. Ashley Lawrence can play as one of the wing back positions as well. So I think maybe this is Lawrence is one of those signings where Emma's like, I may have to go back to playing three at the back a bit more regularly because I've got a Jess Carter, because I've got a Neil Charles, because I've got an Ashley Lawrence, because I've got a Eve Perise, you know, Millie Bright, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, that to utilize all of these players. I need to go back to a back three. You're anyway, you know, 50-50 on fitness with Frank Kirby in the front line when you've regularly got Sam Kerr and then I'll say Kat Macario, who again, we got to see how her fitness holds up because of that knee injury. When you know that maybe you're lighter on numbers up front and you don't, you don't want to put too many positions up there and you're heavier in midfield and defense, 
maybe this is one of those signings where I, maybe I'm going to go back to playing a back three. So I bring in Ashley Lawrence and I can play Eve Paris at right center back if needed or wing back and vice versa with Ashley Lawrence. And you kind of have these different combinations of, uh, of players. But again, I think it also comes down to we can't rule out maybe one defender or another leaves as the window goes on. We don't know, right? So I think the, the rest of the summer will, will tell a tale. But if we're just going with the same squad and adding Ashley Lawrence... To me, it maybe looks like a, a three at the back is coming back. Yeah, it will definitely be interesting to see how, how all of that plays out. Another player who will be affected by that, obviously, would be Leif Charles, who got a deserved England call-up after, I think, a really impressive end to the season. There were some low moments, I think, as part of that run-in, but um, there was also some really impressive moments when it mattered. I think her performances against Barcelona probably the biggest jump I've seen in a player against uh, a team from the Champions League final to that semi-final uh, than maybe I've ever seen. Um, managed to play literally everywhere, filled in as our backup number nine um, when Sam was getting a little bit of a rest. Uh, fantastic solo goal against Everton as well, one of uh, my favourite goals of the season. This has been a real glow-up year for Neve Charles Abdullah and it feels like even though there were those ups and downs, she's on a real positive trajectory. Um, yeah, we can't really call her young, I think, anymore. She's literally about to turn 24. But she's someone who does seem to be improving, who does seem to be kind of understanding more what it's what it means to play as a fullback. You know, we obviously did convert her um, from being a winger. And it feels like England have kind of recognised that as well, which I think is a really big boost for her as she obviously just kind of narrowly missed out on that that Euro squad. Um, it's funny because no matter how many times Hayes does this, it still takes me by surprise, where she kind of takes a player and plays them everywhere for a bit and then they gradually like end up in one position and then they turn out to be quite good at it. Um it feels like that's where we're getting to with Neve Charles. Maybe not at like a Aaron Cuthbert level. Um, I wouldn't go that far, but um, she's definitely moving in a, a really positive direction, isn't she? Yeah, for sure. I, I've really, I've really liked uh, Neve Charles' glow up this season. I, I thought, you know, she's finally looking like a consistent, consistent performer. She's looking like a Chelsea player now, in my opinion. I, I thought in the beginning when she came from Liverpool, the first couple of seasons, I thought very inconsistent and kind of not playing at a very high level. I, I remember there were calls, you know, people saying that she's just not good enough to be a Chelsea player. But this season, I feel like she's... Neve Charles has done what Jess Carter did last season, where she just proved that, that that final thing where she's like, right, you know what? You are good enough to play for Chelsea and you've had a really, really impressive season. And um, I've really felt like she's improved at the fullback role that she's been given. Uh, I think she gives us something different. And I think... Again, I, I'm I'm not opposed to Neve Charles being Chelsea's left back if you are gonna have Paris and Lawrence on the other side because it gives you that balance. Because you you have so much security with those two on that side that you can almost let Neve Charles do her thing and she has the pace to come back and kind of cover and track her track her position. Because I mean if we look at the, the modern fullbacks now, yeah, maybe in Eve Perisse and Ashley Lawrence, we've managed to pick up the two not-so-common fullbacks in, in football where they're a bit more defensive and positionally stable, whereas the other fullbacks in football right now are a lot more attacking, a lot more like wingers. Um, and so you can, you can have that. You can have that balance over there. Now, but I've, I've really, I think, 
she's played well. She's played as a false nine, like you said. She's played as a winger, which is her original position. She's played at she's played at both fullback positions. So I think again another player that's probably maybe been hurt by her versatility. But at the same time, if you can give her that one position, in this case maybe it's left back, and then if and when you need. 75th minute, you know, Sam Kerr replacement, maybe not so much now because we've got Kat Macaria, but um, you needed to play as a false nine, you need to kind of come in as, as another winger. You've got that option over there. Um, but I've really enjoyed, um, I've really enjoyed her. I think, I think the the set, the nine goal contributions for the season across, you know, the 20, the 31 games is good. I think, I think that's the next step for me is can she improve her goal contribution output from wherever she plays next season to maybe have a few more assists than than she already has because the way she's been playing she's in the box she's in and around the box so I expect a little bit more I think next season in terms of goal contributions from Neve Charles but overall really really good and uh, yeah really excited to see her next season yeah she really cl- came up clutch at the end of the season with those those goal contributions and I think that's that was also something that was really cool to see her taking responsibility in that way it felt before at points there's been games where she's been the passenger, um, but I felt like she really stepped up and she created things uh, t- towards the end of the year. Um, someone else who had a ridiculous end of the year was Marin Mielda, the unexpected saviour of the season, the Marinaissance um, that all kind of began with those injuries. Uh, we had the penalties um, and just an incredible run playing minutes kind of from nowhere looking very very good still uh someone who's 33 years old Chelsea have done a one-year contract extension for her which I think made a lot of sense especially with Ericsson moving on to keep someone who's not only experienced but also happy to sit on the bench when it's required but when you call on her can come in and play at a really high level oh what can you say I mean Marin Mielda is just I'm you know what if 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 Millie didn't have the season that she did, I'd have given player the year to Marin Mielda just for the way she came in and just the, the level of performance that Marin Mielda put in after practically not playing the entire like like she didn't play August September comes in for one random game against Man City at right back performs amazing keeps Lauren Hemp in her pocket disappears for a while goes up on a holiday and chills I think what Emma does is she puts her in a cryo chamber. She brings her in for every couple of months, like one important game, and then plays her, puts her back in the cryo chamber, and then rinse and repeat. And then all that cryo chamber sleep has kind of kept her fresh for the last part of the season where she was needed for every game. I have not seen someone not play this number of minutes in the season and to come in in the most crucial part against some of the biggest opponents that we played, Barcelona, not to name one. And perform probably what was her best performance of the last couple of seasons that I've seen from Marin Mielda. I mean, like, that was insane. I mean, to be able to do that and have a player like that is unbelievable. It's like a Chelsea thing where you have these players who are a little bit older, who don't play as much, and you think they're done. That's it. Moved on. Sophie Engel comes to, comes to mind. We've done that a few times. And then they just, they just drop, like, these 10 out of 10 performances, and you're like, maybe we should keep you around. You know what? Just, you know, just, just stay put. So, for me... The the Marinaissance was was unbelievable. Let's let's put it in a painting. Let's hang it up in Cobham, and and you know let's let's bring it on next season. Because and I think and I think this probably then gives Emma um, 
you know, a thing for next season going, if everything else fails, I've got Marin Mielda in my back pocket to bring in for key games. And, and, I, and I think you should just keep Marin Mielda for the big games because if that's how she's going to perform and you need someone to come in and do a job, just bring in Marin Mielda for the big games. So I, I thought she's fantastic. So, yeah, loved it. Yeah, a huge, huge season from her and great to see that we'll have her around next season. Let's just finish off here then with with two players who we saw for bits and bobs. Um, firstly, Alcio Abdelina, who was around for the whole season, Always enjoyed when she came on the pitch, but Abdullah surely this is a player who either needs to go on loan or move on because she isn't getting in this team, especially with the additions that are coming over the summer. Yeah, I feel bad. I feel I feel, feel really bad for her because when she does come in, she actually plays really well when she comes on for us, even if it's like five minutes, ten minutes. That that Leicester game where we won like seven nil or nine nil, she actually played a really good game. She had she had really good moments. I think she deserves a WSL loan. And if there's an option to buy there for somebody, then I wouldn't. I, I, I think long term, I think realistically, we're looking at her being sold to another team. But um, personally, I would select her to go on loan somewhere, get get a season under her belt, reassess the situation in 2020, summer of 2024 and kind of go from there. But I, I think I think there's a player there. I really think there's a player. There. And I think for um, maybe even Leicester again this season, or, you know, someone along, you know, a Spurs or something. I think there's a player there for someone to take and develop and really get a really good, versatile left winger, left back uh, for them to come in and, and kind of mould and play. Yeah, I find it hard to judge her because we never see her. So I feel like I don't really know. I think, in yeah, in flashes she looks good, but she has to go and play. Um, and yeah, hopefully we see her maybe get a WSL loan and we can we can see a bit more of her and, and then figure out what we think her where her future lies. Um player who maybe has more of a future back at Chelsea is Anik Nowon um, seemed to have a good loan at AC Milan not going to pretend I've watched a huge amount of it that's a summer job for me um, there is obviously a centre-back spot freed up in terms of Ericsson leaving but we also have a lot of centre-backs Shuka Nuskens come in she's a player who Emma Hayes insists we've brought into play in midfield but it shouldn't go unnoticed that she has been picked in a lot of Frauen Bundesliga teams this season for her performances at centre-back. Um, I think this loan was really good for now on. Um, I think there'll be interest in her to stay in Italy. Where do you think her her future lies? Another one of those players where I'm like, you're really, really good. And like you said, I think she has a better future than most. I, I think, personally, I think she's got the biggest ceiling. Of all the younger players that we have at defense, I think she's got the biggest ceiling. I think, I think, her loan at, 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 at Milan, like I said, I mean, I haven't seen much either. But from whatever I was reading on Twitter, every now and then, people were like, "That's she did really, really well." And then if you look at if you look at her statistics here, I mean, she's in the 88th percentile for successful takeons, touches, progressive passes. She's in the 80th percentile. She's in the 90th percentile for blocks you know, 82nd percentile for aerial duel one, you know, and so she's almost like, and in shot creating actions, and weirdly enough, she's in the 89th percentile. I don't know how, but okay. Um, there is a, there is a, there is a very good ball playing progressive center back in our midst and someone who weirdly enough has had really good experience playing at PSV before coming to Chelsea, had a season of playing for Chelsea, has now had a season playing for Milan, right? Um, 
has a little bit of experience playing in the Champions League. We've actually got this one player who's actually got a, very, a lot of experience, relatively speaking, for her age, and is still young enough to be able to be molded and get even better. And so for me, I feel like she's, again, not ignoring the amount other players that we have. I actually think that she should be the natural replacement for, for Magda Eriksson because she's, she's a progressive ball, ball player. She knows how to... She knows how to play. She knows how to defend. She's really good at covering. And to me, maybe right now, she looks like a very good Millie Bright backup. So in case Millie Bright gets injured, you play Anik now because I feel like they're both really good at covering and I think they're both really good at just getting rid of the ball and playing there. So I think for me, if you're going to keep four centre-backs, you have Kadisha, Jess, Anik, and Millie, I think for me, it's probably got to be the four if you're going to have four centre-backs for all the competitions you can play. I think it's those four. And she at least then gives you some level of promise and guarantee of being able to put in a decent performance because she's got the experience. She's played in different leagues and, you know, this is her third different league now. So I like Anik and I, I hope she does come and stay. And, and, and I think maybe performances at the World Cup, you know, if she starts there, I think is, is going to be a huge factor in whether she stays or not. So if she can have a good uh, tournament with the Netherlands, then I don't see a reason why she doesn't stay at Chelsea and compete for that number one spot. Yeah, she's someone who in my rough squad uh, scribblings I have kept for next season um, basically for exactly the reasons you said but again I think World Cup could be really instructive if this is someone who goes um, and has a really good World Cup obviously there's going to be a lot more clamour for her to to stay at the club Um, equally maybe again you do the first six months at Chelsea and then if she needs to go and get more time elsewhere you go and get more time elsewhere but I feel like we've reached a point with now and where this season feels a bit all or nothing like she has to she has to try and make it at Chelsea or maybe it's just not going to be the right fit for her long term um so I think it'll be really interesting to see uh where that works out but yeah I do think it would make sense uh to keep her um because I, I think, again, maybe it's just because I've got this uncertainty around Buchanan, but it feels like, because that gives me the heebie-jeebies, I don't know, I'm like, keep all the centre-backs, because who knows like what is the best formulation that we're going to find over the season, uh, especially if you know we did have, say, problems with Millie as well, if she's going to play a lot of minutes over the World Cup. Um, but okay, that pretty much wraps us up on everyone in the goalkeeper and defender section. Uh, Abdullah, we do have to come back, obviously, next week and talk about Kat Macario. So we will be doing that for you guys, um, do a bit of a deep dive on her. And then we will also come back and round up the midfielders and forwards section of all of this. Um, and who knows? Maybe we'll get another signing as well at some point who we can do a deep dive into too. Uh, But Abdullah, thank you for joining me, as always, straight off the back of your holiday. Thank you very much. Good to be back into it. Getting into the flow of things. There'll be a few podcasts in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Yeah, definitely. There's some exciting stuff uh, to be chatting about. Uh, So we'll be back soon, Chelsea fans. But until then, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.